and I'd started into this. So anyway, um, but we're glad you're in the house of the Lord today. Hey, Brother Jimmy, could you get me a bottle of water, buddy? Look at you go. <laughs> Amen. Galatians 6, 6 through 9, very familiar. We know these scriptures. We've been around church very much. Um, um, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Um, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he reap also. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We just got done praying, so we'll just jump right into this today. Um, we we'll go back today to this series that I'm hoping that eventually I'm going to turn it into a type of a discipleship program. I know I'll have to work on this better with some things, but because um, a lot of times coming to God, we look at the enormous life change that people has to make to really <clears throat> walk in the place that God has called us, and it's so very drastic from the lifestyle that we live. Um, I remember when David Garrett came in uh, 14 years ago and I've heard him talk about you know when you do something for so long and then all of a sudden you start trying to lift the Lord and now it's like a um, just totally different culture that you're part of it takes time to change that culture in our life and and that is my goal that is my desire not only in this church but in our lives individually but also the city there's a culture um, there is a there is a demonic princes that take up residence in every city and we have to break that as a church <clears throat> and that's the whole purpose of what I am trying to attempt to do with this and the first one we talked about uh, of course, uh, this is my little series here about how to how to eat an elephant. Of course, nobody wants to eat an elephant, but uh, it's a saying that Desmond Tutu, I think, is accredited to it. I think it may be older than him, but he he is the one who said uh, there's only one way to eat an elephant. And that's one bite at a time, and we know that. Well, there's things in our lives that are large they're big sometimes we don't know how to get rid of it or there's big goals that we want to accomplish and we don't know how to do that sometimes it's because when you look at the mountain it's too big when you look at the situation it's too large we think how can i do that and really we just got to jump in there and do it and there's serious things that we're aware of but we want to ignore them a lot of times but just because you ignore them don't mean they're not there um, it's living for God and really being successful in life, period. Let's just take God. You can't take God out of the equation, but if we took God out of the equation, for anybody to be successful, they have to be honest with where they are and where they want to go. 
And this is the whole purpose of what I'm trying to accomplish with this little series. And see, we all got things in our life that has it's become bigger than we, than we ever thought it would be. And we'd like to get it out of our lives. But we look at it and think, how can I get it out? Or it's that magnitude. I feel like God's calling me to do this. How do I do that? So it becomes so big to us. And, and that Desmond Tutu, the South African cleric, he, he's the theologian too, when he said that it's only one way to eat an elephant, it's one bite at a time. What he meant is just everything in life that seems big, daunting, overwhelming, impossible, it can be accomplished by gradually taking just one little step or bite at a time. And you can't eat an elephant in one bite, but we could eat an elephant one bite at a time if we really wanted to eat the elephant. Now, when you look at the elephants, a lot of different facets about it. Some parts would be harder to eat. The first thing, we'd have to get through the tough skin. And we have to be willing to get through that toughness of our life to get past that. That within itself is its own thing. But it, one day at a time, one step at a time, we can do this. And, and what things are life that we need to get out and what things we need to get in, we can accomplish these things if we'll just apply some principles in our life to do it. And last two weeks ago, we talked about that elephant of prayer. We talked about how to develop a prayer. And that, you may find this a little bit humorous with this. I, I was talking to Sister Cheryl about it, and, uh, and she said, I don't keep a journal like that. <laughs> well, honey, I said, honey, I don't necessarily either. But I have, at the beginning of some of my trying to build a prayer life, just sat down. Is there something to get me in the mode, in the place to do it? And if you're not, if you're trying to build a prayer life, and even wherever we may be in our lives, you can start systematically. You hate to think, do I got to do that to make myself pray? Look, if you're waiting for God or somebody else to throw you down the altar and pray, you're probably never going to have a prayer. You have to do something to, to start developing that. Because every good thing in life just doesn't happen. It takes putting effort into it. Now, today, I'm going to read these scriptures, and I'm going to go a different direction. And you may think, well, I don't know exactly if I understand these, but just why I'm talking about this. But Matthew um, 21, 23 here. Jesus said, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Today, I want to talk about this elephant of relationship. Okay? Um, I was talking to Brother and Sister Hussey yesterday. We're, I mean, he's glad that they're with us now. If you appreciate them being here, they're, um, they have a burden for this area. They'd moved here several years ago, and, and, and timing with God's everything. So, um, but we, you know, sit down. We try to do that. We got somebody new coming in like that. And we was talking, we was talking about this particular thing, and uh, it's a relationship. It's really important. Living for God has a lot to do with relationships, all right? It has everything to do with relationships. And we may ask, you know, does my relationships really matter? 
And the answer to that is emphatically yes. Because honestly, life is about relationship. Nobody wants to be alone. Most nobody. Not all the time. I mean, there's times I want to be alone. I just want everybody, phone, just stay away. <laughs> Everything stay away. But I can't stay there. Listen to a preacher this week, and he said this. He said, the Bible starts off with, uh, in Genesis about how all the stuff that he was creating, and God said it's good. It was good. The first time he says it's not good, we find really quick, really quick in the Word of God, and he says this, it's not good for man to be alone. Right? So, he understood that. When he looked down at man, and he seen man in the garden, he created man for his fellowship. That, that's the reason. If, you, if, if we're ever kind of questioning, why am I on this earth? I'll tell you the number one reason. You were created to give God, to uh, be in relationship with God. And in the Garden of Eden, whenever uh, that, that sin came in the world, what happened, it severed the relationship between God and man. And that's what the devil was trying to do. He was trying to, to mess that up. So in this text here, this verse that, that's behind me, Jesus, he, he lets us know how important a rela relationship, not just any relationship, Sister Michelle, a relationship with God is. He lets us know how important that is. Because every relationship we have in life is hinged on our relationship with God. And, uh, you know, we see this, well, I never knew you. And I know you probably have heard this, but if not, let me, let me t talk about it for a moment. This word here, new, is the exact same word uh, that is used from Genesis when, when it said Adam knew his wife Eve and they bear a son. It is an intimate relationship. It's that relationship that God desires for you and I is to have a close relationship. Yeah, he's like, well, yeah, the, the Daniel paraphrase of this verse is that, you know, the person said, well, look, we've, we, we came to church every week. We, we paid tithes every week. I dressed like I thought they expected me to dress. Uh, I've done this and that. But he backs up and says, but we really didn't have a relationship. We really didn't have a relationship. And as I mentioned this the other night, and it's absolute truth that everyone, it seems like in the world, you knock on their doors, you talk to them about church, you invite people to church, everybody seems to be saved. But the truth is, in the relationship that we have with God, that tells us uh, when we're really got that when we're really saved. And and the ultimate answer will be in Sister Janet's testimony the other night. And she told a little story, but basically she said that I'm like in the oven and I'm waiting for the Lord to pull me out one day and he's going to say, well done. That's the truth of what whether we really have had that relationship with God is when we stand before him and he, he either says, depart from me, I never knew you, or well done, thou good and faithful servant. That is the, that is the cultivating point where everything comes together. And everybody say there, seems to say, oh, I'm saved, but our relationship with Jesus will truly tell us the answer. And it is the big elephant in our lives that we so much want to ignore and not always truly confront. Because 
Today, I, I want to talk about this elephant, this relationship, and give us hopefully some principles that, uh, that help us get the most important relationship in our lives in order. I want to have a good relationship with my wife. I want to have a good relationship with y'all. I want to have a good relationship with my children. But the most important relationship in my entire life is the one that I have with God. Because our vertical relationship, if it's right, then our horizontal relationships become right. And what I mean by that, our vertical, this up and down, when my relationship between me and God becomes right, then my horizontal relationship, that's with those around me, is fixed. Because if I have a right relationship with God, then by nature, by just being with my relationship being right with Him, it should automatically begin to fix relationships all the way around me because I become more like Him when I have the right relationship with Him. And, and it's so important that this is right because if it's not right with Him, then I'm missing something. And, 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 and it doesn't matter if I win the approval. and Everybody in this world knows me. I'm in all the famous books and everybody knows who Daniel Orton is and maybe I, I create something and everybody knows who I am. I'm famous on TV. But if God don't know me, it doesn't matter if I have a relationship with everybody in this world. I don't have one with him. I have to have one. Now Acts 7.48 says, Howbeit the most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. He doesn't... I'm thankful to be in a church. I push, let's go to church. There's a lot of people says, I don't have to go to church to be saved. No, you don't have to, but you sure get to. Right? I don't have to take a bath to live, but it makes me feel better when I take a bath. And it makes everybody else around me feel better about me. So church is a lot like that. <laughs> Coming in the building. Now, to say that I got to have this to be saved, no. But just, just a part of the relationship, all right? And you won't, if you have a good relationship with God, you won't go to his house. And this is the house of God. Now, Acts 17, 24 says, And God made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. This is not the ultimate place that he dwells in. God does not reside in a church that's been made with human hands. But he lives in us. We are the temples of the Holy Ghost. We are God's church. We are the called out ones. And we're not, we're not built by, by carpenters and masons like we've got this framed building here. But, but God himself and our role in the kingdom of God is to provide a holy dwelling place for him. We build this temple we refuse the corrupt things that destroy it. We refuse the corrupt things that tears down this because those things corrupts. If we allow our lives, whether it be how we dress, act, talk, whatever may be the case, to destroy this temple, God won't feel comfortable being there. And you can't have a relationship if two people can't come together. All right? This is why there's divorces. This is why there's separation with friends and all kinds of different things. Because if, if we can't dwell with each other, then 
we can't have a relationship. So the big elephant that we're dealing with here today is the fact that, oh, it's a lot easier to say, yes, I am saved. But what does that really mean? It's relationship, knowing him and him knowing us. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17 says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. We are that temple, praise the Lord. Listen to this from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message. He said, Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to, this, to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through you. He went on to say in Acts 750, uh, 7.51 from the message paraphrase, and you continue so bullheaded, ca uh, calluses on your heart, flaps on your ears, deliberately ignoring the Holy Spirit, you're just like your ancestors. <laughs> He's trying to, the writers are trying to let us know. This, this is designed for God to live in. And not just, on, just, just who I, everything about me is designed for God to live in. And we can ignore the fact that people just say, well, I can do what I want to do and I can be saved. No, that's not Bible. It doesn't, that's not. It's important that this life, we build a, a relationship we built this life to where Jesus feels welcome enough to live here. Because what begins to sever relationships, as I've just said, whether it be your, your spouse or with your kids, is the fact that when somebody begins to feel uncomfortable, they're not going to stay there. They're, they won't stay there. And our lives should be a house built that Jesus can feel so comfortable that he's lived there and, and let's be honest today. We all have a hard time being somewhere we don't feel like we have a relationship with the owner. Right? So that's why this elephant of relationship today is so important. That's why Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. Or in other words, we never really had a good relationship. No, you're not coming in. Just Jenny, I want him to say, well done. My good and faithful servant, you've been faithful with the body that I give you, the life that I give you. See, just coming to church does not give us that relationship. I mentioned just paying your tithes, just dressing holy, uh, treating, you know, different things. That doesn't give us that relationship. That's part of the relationship, but it doesn't give us the relationship. Real relationship comes from when we observe and we start to obey this right here. The Word of God. True love is centered on others and not on us. That is the biblical concept of love. It is loving to benefit others without expecting anything back in return. We've all had them people who, who we knew. You're not really wanting a relationship with me. You're wanting something I got. And, and this is how so many people is when they come to God. They're not really wanting a relationship with God. They're wanting their marriage back. They're wanting finances fixed. They're wanting to get this. They're wanting to get that. That is not true relationship that's being built. And, and, and God is holy, so it makes perfect sense that he expects 
holiness in his relationship with us. And we can take a quick look at the Ten Commandments, and it will reveal that they were all about relationships. All right? Relationship, the first four, is the relationship with God. The last uh, six of those Ten Commandments is relationship with man. So first we've got to get the relationship with God, and then it it should fix the relationship with man. But we see how important that relationship is. And I'll come back to that in a few moments. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of a guy by the name of Jim Poitras. He's a, a apostolic preacher, been missionary, uh, does a lot of teaching and stuff. He said this, Others sharing truth with people and bringing them into a personal relationship with God is called evangelism. This is followed by discipleship and Christian education. He says evangelism is bringing people back into the correct, correct relationship with God. Education or discipleship is keeping them in a correct relationship. And that is the base principle to building the relationship that we need with God. Relationships are not built overnight, okay? And, and what Brother Portrait is saying here, look, when we go out and we're inviting people to church, it's not to fill empty seats. It should, that shouldn't be our motivation. It should be to fill empty hearts. Feel some, bringing somebody back to the place that God has designed them to be, which is a right, correct relationship vertically with God, which will eventually flood out horizontal to everybody around them. And, and it, it doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen uh, with different people. It happens different ways. Uh, in 15 years of, of, of pastoring and 25 years of, uh, of uh, preaching and, and longer than that in the church, I've seen some people, it's like, it's a little slower getting there, and then, but others like run right into it. But the, the end product is what's so important. We've got to end this thing that he does look at us and say, well done. Yeah, you figured out that the whole point of this whole thing is about me and you having a right, right relationship, us getting it right. Does it not go with what he said in Matthew 6, 32, 33? That seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. But somehow we've got it mixed up and we're seeking the, the, the stuff instead of the one who creates and gives us the stuff. Because we, but when we build these relationships, they're not, it's not built overnight. Um, anybody, and I know it happens, sometimes it's love at first sight and people meet and they marry two weeks later and they're still together. i got a brother and sister-in-law done that and they're still together how many ever years later. But in general, the best situation is you build a relationship with somebody, and then once that build, then you can create something that's long-lasting. It takes time to build a relationship, and it's really no different. Even though God created us with, for a relationship with Him, this world is trying, the devil's doing everything he can to destroy relationships. And the elephant in the room that I'm talking about today is this world says, just accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you shall be saved. Now, if it's in the Word of God, I'll take it, I believe it. But I cannot find that in the Word of God. I find where people backslide, and we find where He calls them old backsliders, and we find where, where people are, are not, they walk away. It's what, what are they doing? They're backsliding. They're walking away from that relationship. And the most important relationship has got to be built daily with Jesus. It can't be on Sunday and on midweek. It can't be showing up every once in a while or whatever. It has to be a daily thing. We build that relationship with Jesus by daily 
finding what pleases and what don't please him. Now, if any of you could go back to my, my school pictures, you would see that I dress and fix my hair different. I'm saying that for a reason. Because Sister Cheryl changed me. Right? Well, your hair would look better like this. Well, you'd look better with that on. Well, I want to make her happy to build a relationship. And this is the concept I'm using here today with this. And, and I know at times it, it's not always clear, maybe, of what does please God because there's so many things out there. But at the end of the day, it has to come from here. And this is why I try to use a lot of the Word of God in ministering and teaching. And, and, and we need, and honestly, this is one reason we want to get these connect groups going where uh, it's not just preaching from here, but we figure out in the homes that, that hey, we're building a relationship. We're building something that, that we need because it, it's the Word of God is where we find what pleases God. This is His letters to the church. It's the Word of God. And communication is a very big part of healthy relationships. Amen? God communicates to us through His written Word. And we communicate with God through our prayer life that I talked about last, last time. Prayer without the Word really is not going to do you a lot of good. And the Word without prayer is not going to do you no good. You need both of these to bring that communication together. And prayer, it's building that relationship with God through our communication. His Spirit leads us, and according to John 16, 13, His Spirit leads and guides us into what? All truth. John 14, 26, it lets us know that it, it teaches us, His Spirit teaches us and reminds us of what God has said. That's why we need the Holy Ghost in our life. And, and if we don't have a place prepared for that Holy Ghost to live, we don't really have that relationship with Him. And, and God has provided ways to build these things. That's why He's given us ministry. He's given us pastors to guide us and to watch over our souls. And, 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 and some look at a lot of this stuff the, the way that, I guess you say apostolically, and say, well, look, that's legalism. No. In actuality, we talked about uh, true liberty last week. It's really true liberty. It really gives me true freedom because my life was not created for me to do what I want to do, but God created me to please Him. And true liberty, that, that true, it's, it's not legalism, but it's bringing me into the liberty that God created me to be and the relationship that He really wants me because I should want to please God. I should want to choose to please Him. I should be at the place that nobody forces me. It's my absolute choice. And this is why really we're in this place that we are in this world because God gave us the choice. He doesn't want us to be a puppet. Now those of you who are married or in a relationship, whether it be a spouse, a kid, or, or whatever, you don't want to have to make them love you or be with you. You want them to choose to be with you. And this is how the building of relationship. We, we do this. We should do it because I love him. I want to grow with him. A man by the name of Fred Stoker. I think I'm saying that right. In Every Man's Battle, he wrote, he testified. He said, I was the perfect example of someone that wasn't shooting for God's fixed standard of obedience. My church attendance was excellent. I spoke with the Christian language. Like the businessman seeking the best business practices, I was asking myself, 
How far can I go and still be called a Christian? The question I should have been asking is, how holy can I be? Francis Chan, perhaps you've probably seen him on social media in different places. He's got a lot of good books. He's got a good book. It's called Crazy Love. Um, he said, overwhelmed by a relentless God tells how people who are lukewarm in their relationship with Christ ask, how far can I go before it's considered sin? They should be asking, how can I keep myself pure as a temple of the Holy Spirit? And so many times we're asking the wrong questions that doesn't build the relationship that we need. How, how far can I go and keep my marriage? How far can I go and keep this relationship intact? Instead, it should be, uh, how strong can I get this by building my relationship bigger? Because here's the thing. Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. All right? Abraham gave him, gave him the, the choice. Pick where you want to go. He picked the well-watered plains of Sodom, and he pitched his tent toward it. He wasn't there yet, okay? But that didn't last too long. He eventually ended up in Sodom because he developed more of a relationship with Sodom than he did with Father Abraham. When he pitched his tent towards Sodom, he developed a better relationship with, with Sodom than he did his uncle Abraham that brought him out of that place. In, the, in, in this, Steve Boyd, in his sermon, he, he had a sermon that he entitled The Significance of a Standard, said, With arms of redemption wrapped firmly around her, she looked back, speaking of Lot's wife, her friendship with the things of the world was more important than her relationship with God and his plan for her deliverance. Many have wondered why she did that. She turned, listen to this, she turned back to the place she loved where she had developed a relationship and where she felt a sense of community. The scripture still says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passed away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The elephant in so many of our lives are those relationships that that keep us from truly developing the relationship with Jesus that we were created for. And let me tell you today, that doesn't have to be a person. Sometimes it's a relationship that we've developed with sin. A relationship we've developed with something. Anything that's keeping us from really having that relationship with God, that's the elephant in our room that we have to confront. Because the danger is someday standing before him and we're like, oh, look, Lord, I went to church paid my tithes, and him looking at us and not saying well done, but saying, sorry, we never had a relationship. And that thing that we have to confront is the pattern that the world has established that, that is trying to squeeze us into its relationship modes. And, and look, at, look at our end time where we are right now. What is the enemy really attacking in our world? The family relationship, all right, which is, which is an example of what God has designed for the vertical relationship. The devil is attacking the horizontal relationship. He's trying to make it look like families don't matter because God, what did he do when he showed us a pattern of what the church should look like? That it was the, 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 the uh, Christ coming back after his bride, right? 
Now then, the world is trying to sever that relationship uh, between that. Where look, you don't got to have that commitment because this is what Christ drove. You see it, and we see it in Matthew chapter twenty-five, and he talks about you know the ones that slept in slumber. You know, uh, there wasn't a commitment there, and this is this is the problem we're having. Real relationship, it takes commitment, and. And the way we get that and know how that works, and we, we're not squeezed into the mode of what the world says uh, what a relationship is. It comes from the Word of God. That's why the psalmist said in Psalms 119.11, he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. And, and too many people seem to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And we know in the book of Revelations that Jesus said what? I'd rather you be hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, it makes me sick. And a lot of times we assume that because certain things don't matter to us, then it don't matter to God. That's not the case. Isaiah said it in 55, 8, and 9. He said that his ways and his thoughts are above my ways and my thoughts. He sees down the road farther and something that may not matter to me today might matter down the road. And he sees it from a different perspective and he says look you got to be careful with that because down the road it could separate us and we tend by nature we tend to follow our own ways and scripture is so full of encouraging us that we should follow his ways his paths God's ways and if we're going to build that relationship with God it takes a bite at a time building it okay listen to Eugene Patterson the one who wrote the message paraphrase once again from the book of James 4 through 7 he said you're cheating on God if all you want is your own way flirting with the world every chance you get you end up enemies of God and his ways and do you suppose God doesn't care the proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover and that he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find and what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find it's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. <laughs> the elephant in the room is it, it, us doing what we want to do and thinking we have a relationship with God. I know this may be different today, but it's, it's very important. It's very needed. If we're really going to have the relationship with God, we've got to understand he's going to be Lord of all. He will not be Lord at all. And, and I don't want to stand before him and him say, depart from me, I never knew. I want to hear them words. Well done. Well done. And we've got to stay in the oven. We've got to stay in that place where he can work us and, and mold us. And, and the way to make sure that he does, that does not happen is to make sure that I daily take a bite of the word of God. I daily have prayer in my life. I, I daily making these steps at these relationships so so how, how do we build this relationship this daily thing it, it comes from observing and obeying his word observing in other words picking it up looking at it reading it and then obeying it because i can read the instructions to something but if i don't do it it does me no good what's he say about being a hearer of the word but not a doer this is what he's talking about here and if if we're unsure of what's in the in the the world as far as worldliness that's going to sever a relationship the thing that will sever a relationship with god 
there is a way to find that out. And there's going to be fads, there's going to be fashions, there's going to be circumstances that we do not specifically find communicated in the Scriptures, especially in our time. In our time, there wasn't a phone. There wasn't Internet. Or during their time, there wasn't all this stuff that we have in our life that can be so damaging to us. The, the Scripture doesn't say, Thou shalt not look at pornography. But there's principles, there's ways that we can figure out that, oh, this is going to mess my relationship up with God. And let me be honest with you. Let me just help you as a, uh, a couple. And this is not always easy, but ask your spouse, what's my blind spot? And don't get mad. Okay? Because there's things in our life that we do that our spouse may not approve of or that goes against their grain or things we do. And if we're not careful, we don't see it, but they see it. And if you're on the opposite end, don't use that for a time just to blast them either, okay? It's got to go both ways with it. But the whole thing is it's communication, okay? And, and we got to understand, I communicate with God. I figure out exactly what pleases Him and what doesn't. And a man by the name of James Kilgore, which started all kinds of churches in Texas, I believe that he's, he's passed now. He, um, he gave a lesson that's called What in the Word World is Worldliness? And he gives six steps that I'm going to use today to, to give you real quickly that will help us understand what, will, what pleases God and what doesn't. Because this is how we build the relationship. Figuring out what pleases God and what doesn't. And it takes time. It takes time to figure that out. It is some trial and error in this. What we've got, we got to keep in mind is if we'll always let him know we love him, that's why he said the righteous man shall fall seven times. You're going to fall. You're going to mess up. That's why he's given us grace, and that's why he's given us repentance. All right? That's why he's given us repentance. We can repent and get things right. But if we can avoid having to do that as much as possible, the Word of God will help us develop that relationship. All right? So, first thing that Brother Kilgore said, he said, is it of the world? This is 1 John 2, 15 through 16. You can write them down if you're one of those who write scriptures down. He asked this question. Ask yourself, does it appeal to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life? We remember that friendship with the world is enmity with God. This is straight out of his lesson I'm reading to you today. So, we asked that question. Is it appealing to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life? If it does, it may be good chance there's going to be something that's not going to please God. All right? Uh, the next thing he says, is it to the glory of God? 1 Corinthians 10, 34 is our reference for that. He's, he says, look at your habit and ask yourself if it brings glory to God or if it is destroying your body. And he, he goes on to say that no one can drink alcohol, smoke, use foul language, overindulge in eating, overindulge in forms of recreation, and expect these activities to be for the glory of God. Would Jesus be joyfully involved? This is the key with this one. Would he be joyfully involved in the activity if he were there with you? Because he is. So if you're sitting and you're watching something, would you feel comfortable with Jesus sitting beside you? Because he really is. And if, if you're like... Oh, then you probably don't need to watch it. Or you're in a conversation with somebody on the phone or a text, and you think, would I talk like if Jesus was here? And there's probably something that's going to sever that relationship because 
this is how relationships get severed. This is what I'm talking about, okay? The third one here is, is it a weight or sin? Hebrews uh, 12, 1 through 2. Uh, we know that scripture, you know, lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. Anything that's a part of lifestyle, but becoming a weight, not necessarily a sin, but with some things we have to put aside before long, it could become a sin, and it could ensnare us, okay? And there's a lot of things that can fall in that category. Uh, I love to fish and hunt, but I know a lot of people that need to lay fishing and hunting down because it causes a missed church, it causes a missed prayer. I'm, I'm just talking really practical today with things that helps build this relationship. We've got to just ask ourselves about these things. Is it going to cause me to separate my relationship from God? And it takes time, and we've got to look at the Word. That's why we've got to study the Word. We've got to listen to preaching, all these kind of things. Verse the, second, or the fourth thing here, he said, will it become a stumbling block to someone else? This is sometimes the thing we've got to be careful with. It's, how will I affect others in what I am doing? Romans 14 and 7 lets us know no one lives to himself. So there's some things we've got to be careful with because it could become a stumbling block to somebody else. And that's something we don't want to do in our life. The fifth thing he says here, does it make provision for the flesh? Our flesh is in constant opposition to the things of the Spirit. Does it provide things to to make our flesh just really become more than the Spirit. He says, don't make provisions for the flesh. The sixth thing he said here is, does it promote holiness and encourage holy living? Holiness is separation, being set apart. We must always be careful to be in obedience to the Word of God. And that's the key right there. we got to make sure. And I know today, I'm not screaming and I'm not yelling all that. We need to sometimes just get the head talk and understand if I'm going to have the right relationship with God, it's going to take a daily reading our word, daily praying. That, that's why the last time I said, look, I'm, I want to try to get you to figure out. Because people say, I don't have time to pray. Yeah, you do. everybody got the same amount of time, 24-7, all right? But everybody uses time different. And this, let's take our time to build a relationship. We have so many things out there to take our time away from us. You know, you've scrolled Facebook for an hour. You're like, oh, my God, how did I get there? You sit there watching this for a long and then we, oh, I ain't got time to pray. Yeah, we do. It just takes time. we got to build because we want to please God because we don't want to sever that relationship. This vertical relationship is the most important thing in our world. And if we daily gauge our lives by these principles, it will daily build our relationship with Jesus. It, and it brings us back to this thing I talked about a few minutes ago, the Ten Commandments. They're all about relationship. If we can just do well with keeping the Ten Commandments, We'll keep our relationship with God. Because when we look at this relationship with God, the things that we do, you know, He, you know, no other gods before us. Remember the Sabbath day. You know, heroes of the Lord our God's one Lord. Making Him make sure that He is, don't take His name in vain. All of that, we have that perspective. I mean, Jesus condensed it. We've seen in the New Testament when He said, you know, the love of the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength. And he said, and then he added the second part, which is the second part of the Ten Commandments, and thy neighbor as thyself. When we get the relationship with God right, we'll feel right about ourselves, and we'll treat other people right too. And these relationships are important because when you look at this, you look at the rest of uh, the Ten Commandments. First one dealing with having a right relationship with him, you know, putting him in the right 
perspective, him in sovereign and where he needs to be. And then the rest of them, fornication, adultery, homosexuality. This is all wrong for relationships with other, and other, with the other people. And it's important for us to abstain, keep things out of our life that, that is going to cause us to sever our relationship with God. It is so, so very important. But we find some key factors in healthy relationship with God. There's two key factors. I've done mentioned it. I'm going to say this, not a few things here, and I'll be done with this today. And these key factors are, if we're going to build this relationship with God, we have to, one bite at a time, let's observe, then obey. It's the key factors. Observe and obey. Listen to Psalms 119. I'm going to give you several scriptures here. Psalms 119, 34 through 35. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go into thy path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Joshua 1, 7 through 8. He said, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe and to do according to all the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from the right turn it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He's talking about the word here. But shall med- you shall meditate day and night, that you may observe, there's that word observe, and do according to all that is written in it. For therein you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Nehemiah 1 and 5. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy, with those who love you and observe your commandments. We see scriptures over and over telling us to observe his commandments, observe his law. Matthew 28 and 20. So if you need a New Testament scripture here, Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world. Then we see obey. Deuteronomy 6, 24 and 25. And the Lord commanded us to do. That is, means to obey. To do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good uh, always for for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it's at i'm having been tongue time so let me try this again that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all things all these commandments before the lord our god as he hath commanded us deuteronomy 5 23 i'm i'm throwing a lot of scriptures and maybe scriptures bore you this is just going to help us bring that relationship with God, all right? You shall observe to do, that is obey. Therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded you, you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that you may live, and it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land. See, he's just over and over and over. Then what did Jesus say in John 14, 15? If you love me, keep my commandments or obey my commandments. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts this in the paraphrase, the message. He appropriately puts it this way in John 14, 15. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. That's very simple. And that probably could just sum this entire thing of building this relationship with God. And honestly, what we need to do, we need to realize that we are the temple. We are the temple, God. And providing a dwelling place for God is absolutely essential 
it has to be priority for our lives. Because here's the thing. This temple, our bodies, our lives, this is where the relationship happens, is here. All right? And if we have a right relationship with God, then He's going to feel comfortable being with us. I don't want to do anything that's going to make Him uncomfortable. All right? And it's, it's going to take daily observing and obeying His Word. All right? I want to ask you a question today when I close this. If you and whoever's in a relationship and you wrote them letters and then when they did finally show up at your house and they said, hey, did you read them letters? Oh, no, I put them to the side. How long would that relationship last? <laughs> it wouldn't last very long, right? But if we daily observe his word, we pray and we build ourselves up. Jude, Jude said something well. He said, in Jude 1, 20 through 21, he said, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, to eternal life. He said, look, build up yourself. We have to build up ourselves. We can't, we can't put a rock here. We can't read a verse here, a verse there. It takes daily attacking this thing and say, I'm going to build a relationship with Jesus. It's not going to happen accidentally. It's going to happen by daily observing and obeying God's Word because it, 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 here's the thing. We observe it and we pray about it. God, where does it apply in my life? If you do that, God will talk to you. And it may not be an audible voice, but He'll let you know. He'll let you know. He'll let you know where you are, what you got going on. And the Word without the Spirit doesn't do no good, and the Spirit without the Word doesn't do we need to mix together. And this is how we build that relationship. So, it's what I felt on my spirit today. Let's talk to us about how we need to make sure that we don't let this thing be, okay, I, yeah, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going on. That's good. But the proof is going to be when we stand before him, whether he says this, depart from me, I never knew you. Or he says, well done. You've done a good job with what I give you. you, you we got a relationship. I know you. Oh, there's Tammy. Come on in here, Tammy. I know you. Oh, there's... There's Chassie. Come on in here. I've known, we've known each other for so long. I don't want him to look at me and say, uh, yeah, your name's, I remember your name, but no, nah, I don't really know you. I don't want that. You don't want that either. And this is serious, folks. We're getting close to the end. All right? Jesus is coming back soon, and I want to know. I want to stand before him someday and him say, well done. Come on in here. I know you. We've known each other for a long time. Let's get that vertical relationship right. And, and let me just say this as I, I close here today. If you're worried about a relationship with everybody else, if you'll get a relationship with Jesus right, everything else will be. Maybe not in the way we think it will, but it will. It will. It'll fix itself. So anyway, I'm done today with this, and uh, glad you're here. Glad to see some more coming in today. So. We'll take a moment's break here and we'll, we'll get back for the rest of the service here in a few minutes. So, God bless you. Love you much.